Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of The Informed Catholic. My name is Netchabar, and this is going to be episode 23 of The Informed Catholic, episode 23. And uh, i like to ask you to please subscribe, share to my podcast if you like what I do and you, and you enjoy it. Uh, it would be a great help if you subscribe and share. So, uh, also, I have a Facebook page, uh, The Informed Catholic. Just go on to Facebook, type in The Informed Catholic, and um, please uh, join the group and uh, uh, send me a friend request or something, and I will uh, I will invite you in so we can discuss um, things, and uh, you can make requests, and um, it'll be fun. And you could also look up the articles that I read for this, um, you know, on the program. So let's begin with the act of contrition in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words and what I have done and what I have failed to do through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. And may Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Kiri elision, kiri elision, kiri elision, Christe elision, Christe elision, Christe elision, kiri elision, kiri elision, kiri elision. And I will say the Gloria. <clears throat> Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace to people of goodwill. We praise you. We bless you. We adore you. We glorify you. We give you thanks for your great glory. Lord God, Heavenly King, O God, Almighty Father, Lord Jesus Christ, Only Begotten Son, Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. You take away the sins of the world. Receive our prayer. You are seated at the right hand of the Father. Have mercy on us. For you alone are the Holy One. You alone are the Lord. You alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ. With the Holy Spirit, in the glory of God the Father. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. <clears throat> so, uh, today we're going to do the readings. The... Um, the second week of Ordinary Time is going to be for Wednesday. And uh, we're continuing um, in the Missal here. I have my daily Missal, uh, St. Paul Daily Missal. And it's uh, it continues with the book of Hebrews, the first reading. Uh, so let's begin in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You are a priest forever according to the order Melchizedek. All right, so, um, yes, <laughs> I'm, I wanted to make sure we're in the right place because, um, you know, just don't want to repeat, but it is Wednesday. Okay, you are priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek, and it's Hebrews, yes, chapter 7, verse 1 to 3 and 15 to 17. All right, a reading from the letter to the Hebrews. Melchizedek, king of Salem and priest of God, most high, met Abraham as he returned from his, um, 
from his defeat of the kings and blessed him. And Abraham apportioned to him a tenth of everything. His name first means righteous king, and he was also king of Salem, that is, king of peace, without father or mother or ancestry, without beginning of days or end of life, thus made to resemble the Son of God. <clears throat> he remains a priest forever. It is even more obvious if another priest is raised up after the likeness of Melchizedek, who has become so, not by a law expressed in a commandment concerning physical descent, but by the power of a life that cannot be destroyed. For it is testified, you are priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'll read it one more time. A reading from the letter to the Hebrews. Melchizedek, king of Salem and priest of God, Most High, met Abraham as he returned from his defeat of the kings and blessed him. And Abraham apportioned to him a tenth of everything. His name first means righteous king. And he was also a, a king of Salem, that is king of peace, without father or mother, or ancestry without beginning of days or end of life, thus made to resemble the Son of God. He remains a priest forever. <clears throat> it, is, it is even more obvious if another priest is raised up after the likeness of Melchizedek, who has become so, who has become so not by a, a law expressed in a commandment concerning physical descent, but by the power of of a life that cannot be destroyed. For, for it is testified, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. The word of the Lord, thanks be to God. <clears throat> All right. Um, it's interesting that we're still continuing in the book of Hebrews, the exploration of this mysterious figure known as Melchizedek. Um, the uh, name Melech, if you hear the word melek, mel, like melk, melek means king. There's an Arabic and Hebrew and Aramaic words very similar. Melek, king. Now the term kizedek, uh, zedek, zedek, um, mean, uh, I think also is the term for priest, um, basically, uh, possibly, or peace. Like he says, king of peace, um, Basically, now, who is he? Who was this mysterious figure known as Melchizedek? Some wonder if, some theologians wondered if it was an, incarn um, an incarnation of Christ himself. Or was it an angel, an angelic being who acted as a priest? Like from the first age of the world before the flood? Somehow, we don't know. There's no, there's no possibility that we don't know. He mysteriously appears and then he disappears. Now, what happens when he encounters Abraham? Abraham just went with the to the battle against the five kings, and um, and he rescued his cousin, his relatives Lot with his family. They were taken hostage. You can read it in the book of Genesis, and then along the way he 
meets with this mysterious figure in the place where Jerusalem is going to be one day, or one day it will become Jerusalem. And the king Melchizedek comes out mysteriously and he brings out bread and wine, a a prefiguration of the Eucharist. Supposedly some believed that the bread and wine uh, was the original sacrifice that Adam and Eve offered in, um, in paradise, in Eden. And, you know, that was the sacrifice, that was the perfection of sacrifice because it was the perfection of creation that God, you know, that God gave to humanity and God made. There's a lot we don't know. And um, there's a lot that's hidden from us. This mysterious figure comes out and what does he do? He blesses Abraham. Now, he didn't probably just didn't just lay his hands on him or just say, God bless you. He laid his hands, he poured oil on him, anointed him, and passed down the priesthood to Abraham. And then from there, Abraham would pass this blessing down to his son Isaac. Isaac would pass it down to Jacob. Jacob would pass it down to his other um, uh, children um, later on, like into Judah's children. And then it would be passed down. Uh, basically, it was given to uh, to to all of, of Jacob's children, and then later on, it would be narrowed down, given to the priesthood, on uh, passed down to the priesthood of um, the Levites, and then this 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 blessing uh, would also be passed down to David and his descendants. This was a blessing that would eventually that would be passed down to, um, through, um, obviously, from John the Baptist to our Lord Jesus Christ. That Jesus is the perf- is the Son of God, and rightfully so, he fulfills all the office of prophet, priest, king, and sacrifice. Okay, that is the office that our Lord fulfills. Prophet, priest, and king, you'll often probably sometimes hear that, but I, uh, I think other, other theologians add sacrifice, atonement. That's important. That's important that we understand that. <clears throat> because this is something. Uh, a, a, a high priest in the Bible is a Mashiach, a Messiah. Abraham is sort of like a messiah because he he is the one that God that God chose and he passed down um the blessing. Uh Noah was a messianic figure himself because he built the ark. The Enoch in the old the one who walked with God and God took him up that was a messianic figure. Um they they're they're major these are major figures in salvation history. Um Isaac carried the messianic figure in himself. He passed it down to Jacob. Jacob who wrestled with God and and then Joseph. Let's not forget Joseph. Joseph is often forgotten. I don't know why, but Joseph himself. What did he do? He saved his people from a famine. He rised up to a high position in 
in Pharaoh's house. And this, and he, and he, um, what happened? He also helped to hoard up to, to um, deposit and save grain, wheat, crops, bread for people to eat. A best, uh, a prefiguration of the Eucharist. All right, and what happened? His brothers thought they murdered him. L look, at, look carefully in the story of Joseph. He's got a coat. Uh, he he has dreams, uh, prophecies. Um, his brothers were jealous of him. A prefiguration of the Pharisees in the New Testament Israel. Um, he um, they 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 threw him down in a pit. He was in a pit for three days. They sold him to as a slave to the uh, Ishmaelites. The Ishmaelites sold him to the Egyptians. It's sort of a prefiguration of a trial of Christ. And then they pretended, they, they took his coat, they ripped it up, and they dipped it in the blood of a goat. And they lied to their father. They lied to their father, Jacob, Israel. And then later on, Joseph rose up. He went through a trial. He went through hell. A woman tried to seduce him, uh, his master, Egyptian master. She lied and claimed that he tried to rape her. He's thrown into prison. Uh, he's a righteous man thrown with, with the, uh, the wicked, similar to the prophecy of Christ. And then he's redeemed. He or freed like a resurrection. His own brothers didn't even recognize him. And he was their judge. So you see, there's a lot in there that in, in this, in a sense, that Melchizedek's blessing had more uh, more to it than we, than we expect. Melchizedek is a messianic figure. Abraham received the blessing and he became a messianic figure. He passed down this messianic figure. None of them, not all of them met the requirements. Not all of them met the requirements. Uh, but the blessing was there. The blessing was important. And then this blessing was passed down uh, from, again, father to son, father to son, then passed down to priest, and then finally passed down to a king. The blessing gets passed down, the anointing. And then finally we get Christ. The, the 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 Christ, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. All the others are only type figures, type uh, prefigurations of Him. And ultimately, finally, come to Jesus Christ, the Son of the Living God, who is the Messiah figure. All right, um, let's go to the uh, the Psalms. All right, so now uh, it's Psalm 110. We read this a couple of days ago, but it's interesting how the church has placed this in front of the, in front of us. As those, the you know the Holy Spirit is hitting hitting home, trying to um, for her children, for the church's children, to know to understand who Jesus is. If you want to understand Jesus Christ, you have to understand who Jesus Christ. is is in the Old Testament. What does the Old Testament say about him? And this is something that I think it's important, which I think a lot of Catholics don't take advantage of. They don't take advantage of 
of the Bible. A lot of Catholics um, don't, sadly, just don't read their Bible enough. I think there are a lot of them, a lot who are now reading their Bible, but there's a lot of our brothers and sisters out there that just don't pick up this the Bible and read it. It's not just, don't read it as literature, don't read it as history, read it as God's loving message to you and a way, a path to get close to him. Scripture, uh, prayer, penance, um, the Eucharist. God wants us to get close. God wants us to get close to him. He's not going to force us. And the problem is, is that a lot of Catholics just don't take advantage of this path to holiness. Scripture is one way. Prayer is another very important way. Okay. Um, praying the rosary, praying the Bible. You also have the liturgy of the hours. It's, you know, the path to holiness is something we have to cultivate. You have to nourish. You have to nourish your soul. You have to nourish your mind. It transforms the way you think, the way you behave, the way you talk, and how you see the world, how you see politics, how you see money, how you see your friends, how you look at people. You know, when you if you commit a sin, it should hurt. It should hurt and it should bother you. When you, when you, you, um, you have, you should have always a desire, a hunger to want to pray with God. You should always spend time with God and a good, a good way of doing this. If you can make, make a, a holy hour, it doesn't matter if there's no Eucharistic adoration, just sit in church and talk to him. He's there in the tabernacle. And I think that's important. People need to believe in Jesus Christ's real presence. All right, let's continue. Um, you are a priest forever in the line of Melchizedek. You are a priest in the line, forever in the line of Melchizedek. Before it was in the uh, order of Melchizedek, I think in a, a couple of days ago. Uh, but let's continue. You are a priest forever in the line of Melchizedek, Psalm 110. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. You are a priest forever in the line of Melchizedek. The scepter of your power, the Lord will stretch forth from Zion, rule in the midst of your enemies. You are a priest forever in the line of Melchizedek. Yours is princely power in the day of your birth, in, the ho in, ho in holy splendor. Before the day star like the dew, I have begotten you. You are priest forever in the line of Melchizedek. The Lord has sworn and he will not repent. You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. You are a priest forever in the line of Melchizedek. Amen. All right. It looks like we're going to be spending a little bit more time with this mysterious figure, Melchizedek, right? So 
This is a prophecy, a Psalm of David. And Jesus does make reference to the Psalm when he's um, talking to the Pharisees or disputing with the Pharisees. When he asked them, why, if, um, if the Messiah is a descendant and a son of David, do you believe that? And they said, yes. Then why does David, then why does David ref call him Lord? And they, um, they couldn't answer that. He said, it's, you know, it says, you know, he makes a mention to this. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. This basically is the Messiah is a descendant of David. He is of the line of David. But David is, a, but David in the Psalm is referring to him as Lord. He, 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 one part says the Lord, referring to the Father, said to my Lord, which is the Son of Man or the one who is to inherit all authority and power. So David refers to the second, the second person the, uh, as Lord. So David himself is acknowledging that this figure is even above him, himself, that David is even beneath him. And that everything become, becomes a footstool to him. The, his enemy, you know, he sits at the right hand of the Lord. That's another thing. Sit at my right hand. God tells this figure to sit at my right hand. He calls him Lord and he places him on the right. A sign of power and also equality. And says, I will make all your enemies your footstool. Then he says, the second line, the scepter of your power, the Lord will stretch forth from Zion, rule in the midst of your enemies. The scepter of your of power, the Lord will stretch forth from Zion. He gives him unlimited power, unlimited power again, unlimited power. And then yours is princely power. In the day of your birth, in holy splendor, before the day star, like the dew I have begotten you. He's saying, he's actually saying your power, your princely power, is from the very dawn of creation, before even creation. In holy splendor. In other words, God has planned his existence even before creation. And then... The last part, the Lord has sworn and he will not repent. In other words, God will not take it back. You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Well, this, is, this must mean, again, that this person, this Melchizedek person, we, uh, we could only say that obviously he has, uh, it could be Christ himself. It would have to be Jesus Christ himself in, in, in a form, in a, in, a, in, in a strange mystical form that appeared to Abraham thousands of years earlier and gave him a blessing. 
a blessing that will come back to him. Alpha and Omega. It makes sense to me. Not an angel. As I said earlier, that's only one suspicion. That was a theory, not necessarily one I agree with because I don't, because we don't know. We can only look at what the scripture says. And again, the scripture is not going to give us everything, but this, this Melchizedek, this is the second time he appears first in the book of, of Genesis. Now in this particular Psalm, Psalm 110, later on, he's made reference through the book of Hebrews, which I just read to you. So it, it would, it would have to be Jesus Christ himself. In, in, a, in an apparition or a form that he took and then suddenly disappeared from the stage of history. A strange figure. Indeed. All right. So let's move on to the gospel. Okay. Alleluia, alleluia. Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom and cured every disease among the people. Alleluia, alleluia. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to save life rather than to, than to destroy it? It's from St. Mark's Gospel, chapter 3, verse 1 to 6, a reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark. Glory to you, Lord. Jesus entered the synagogue. There was a man there who had a withered hand. They watched Jesus closely to see if he would cure him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. He said to the man with the withered hand, Come up here before us. Then he said to the Pharisees, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath rather than to do evil, to save life rather than to destroy it? But they remained silent, looking around at him with anger and grieved at their hardness of heart, Jesus said to the man, stretch out your hand. He, he stretched it out and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately took counsel with the Herodians against him to put him to death. Gospel of the Lord, praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. One more time. All right, St. Mark's Gospel, chapter 3, verse 1 to 6. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to save life ra rather than to destroy it? A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark. Jesus entered the synagogue. There was a man there who had a withered hand. They watched Jesus closely to see if he would cure him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. He said to the man with the withered hand, Come up here before us. Then he said to the Pharisees, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath rather than to do evil, to save life rather than to destroy it? But they remained silent, looking around at them with anger and grieved at their hardness of heart. Jesus said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately took counsel with the Herodians against him to put him to death. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. So this particular gospel is very interesting because, again, it's in the synagogue. Jesus entered the synagogue. There was a man there who had a withered hand. And they watched Jesus closely to see if he would 
cure him on the Sabbath. Again, remember we read the last one where he walked through the grain fields and they, um, the Pharisees were hounding him and the apostles and they, they didn't like what the, the apostles were picking and rubbing the grain in their hand. Again, this here is, it's interesting when he says, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath rather than to do evil, to save life than rather to destroy it? But they remained silent, looking around at them with anger He and grieved at their hardness of heart. They, I don't know, I, 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 it's, it's a hard time to understanding why it's so difficult in their mind to perform a good deed, to heal somebody. But they obviously, they had a lot of power and a lot of influence in the interpretation of scripture. So much so that it, they created so many rules on top of the, the law of Moses or the law of God in order to try to keep from breaking the law of God that they, I guess you can say it's almost scrupulous Scrupul you know, scrupulous behavior, almost like uh, OCD, you know, a compulsive behavior in a sense that they cannot, um, that they, in their mind, that even a cure or a miracle on the Sabbath violates the law of God. Very strange, but this is, this is it. And Jesus, Jesus himself um, challenged them about this, challenged them so much so that it uh, angered them. They were jealous of his of his power. They were jealous of his interpretation. They were jealous. They didn't like his compassion. They didn't like his mercy. They had power over um, people, rich and poor. Uh, sometimes even the learned. A lot of people feared the Pharisees, feared challenging them. So much so that that. Uh, they were terrified. They were terrified. And then here it mentions the Herodians. The Herodians were Herod's political party, those particular class of people who supported him. And so just like we have different political parties in our country, different social classes, political groups, they had it back then as well. And this, this was the... Um, this is the world that Jesus lived in. But a miracle like this, to heal, to heal somebody with a, dis, uh, with a disfigurement from birth, most likely. It could have been from birth. They, uh, especially on the poor, was something mon monumental to the average person. That God would actually come and heal people. They interpreted that deformity, certain um, health problems, certain diseases was a punishment from God. And here Jesus comes in a synagogue and heals someone's arm. A deformed arm was unbelievable. And they brought him into the synagogue to test him to put Jesus to the test. And Jesus knew this. And he and he and he decided to turn it on them. He did heal the man. 
but they never answered his question. The truth is their hearts was more into the power that they had rather than the actual meaning of God's of God's God's law. And they didn't like that. Anyway, I'm going to end it here. Um, I think it's a very simple uh, reading here and an understanding of it. Um, so let's uh, end it with an Our Father. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless, and we'll be back together again soon.